welcome to Aiming for More, a tool to help you start aiming for more than the status quo of Christian life. My name is Wes Walters. I'm one of the pastors at AIM Church in Southside, Alabama. Let's get into it. Welcome to episode four of Aiming for More. This episode is about representing Christ. We all struggle from time to time with what people think about us, and whether you admit that or not, there's some level of what are they going to think when I say this, or I better say this so that they like me, or let me put this up front so that people won't think bad about me, and all those kinds of thoughts. Um, I don't want to say there's some good in that, and there's some bad in that, because we should be concerned about how we're coming across to people, especially for those of us who represent Christ on this earth, but we should not live for what people think. I say that because primarily we now belong to Christ and we are firstly concerned with pleasing Him. When we live for what people think and we change ourselves or manipulate them to think of us in certain ways, we have made them into an idol. But for those of us in Christ, we have been set free from bowing to ourselves and other people. As the scriptures say, we have no other God before us. God alone is where our concern lies. And it is in that that we are freed to love other people well and live godly lives before them. What complicates matters is not just the fact that we all come from various backgrounds that that might cause us to act in certain ways, whether it be because of abuse or upbringing or whatever the thing is, but in addition to that, we now live in a culture that is desperate, absolutely desperate to be loved and known and have followers, and now there are platforms and algorithms and apps that can set you up to look just as good as you want to look. How do we then, as Christians, fight against this culture? Because one, our allegiance is to God. And two, we know because of the Word of God and and all that it says to us about how we're supposed to live, that all of the accolades and attention we could possibly get in this world are fading, anemic at best, and will never fulfill us the way we need to be. So in this episode, I just want to look at a few scriptures that will hopefully give us some courage and motivation, uh, starting points to live our lives coram Deo, as it said, before the face of God and not before the face of humans. Um, are we putting on a front because we're worried what people think about us, or are we truthfully living because we're concerned with what they think about God? Okay, for this first one, I want to start with one of the most straightforward verses about this, and it's Galatians 1.10. Paul says, For am I now seeking the approval of man or of God? Or am I trying to please man? If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I'm going to say that last part again. If I were still trying to please man, I would not be a servant of Christ. I almost don't need to explain it, right? It it says it's so straightforward. So this is in the context uh, of people being pulled away by false teaching and an easy believism. And Paul is just astonished at this when he gets to this part of the text in Galatians 1. I mean, is Christ not enough, is kind of what he's saying. And he asks elsewhere in a similar fashion, were you baptized into Apollos or Paul or Christ? You know, what is, why are you running after people? But the main point there in this, set, in this verse in 110 is that servants of Christ do not try to please humans. Their first goal is to please God, and through pleasing God, then they can serve people, whether they're liked or persecuted or whatever. And what I want to get to here, psychologically speaking, is that when we, when we do this, when we're trying to please people first over God, we're seeking to feel something from them 
that they were not designed to ever give us a sense of worth and value and satisfaction. Oh, sure, we may feel it for a moment when someone is pleased with us or we feel better about ourselves when they say something about us, but how long does that last? I mean, it's like a high and, you, and you're going to have to get another hit at some point when it, when it ends. Now, it's not wrong to want to bring joy and pleasure to a friend or a spouse or a child or someone in your life that you love. But like walking on eggshells or bending over backwards to make sure that they like you or they won't leave you, that, that means that you've turned this person into an idol. And to put it bluntly, we are called and empowered to find that fulfillment in Christ alone. And then, with that understanding that, that Christ satisfied, once we know the Scripture and He puts that in our hearts and we have that understanding and peace in our hearts by the power of the Holy Spirit, we can then love and serve them well and not to uh, try to acquire from them something that they are not designed to provide. You see, idolatry is actually selfishness at the core. Because though it seems like we're bowing to them or, so they will be pleased or pleased with us, we're actually bowing to ourselves. We're trying to feel feelings and meet desires that are unmet out inside of us. And we must find this in Christ continually because humans, like ourselves, will all fail us at some point. But God never will. In fact, Jesus said, if you drink from the living water that is him, you will never thirst again. And the psalmist had it right in Psalm 63 when he said, O God, you are my God. Earnestly, I seek you. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh faints for you. As in a dry and weary land where there is no water, so I have looked upon you in the sanctuary and behold your power and glory, because your steadfast love is better than life. My lips will praise you. So I bless you as long as I live, and in your name will I lift up my hands, and my soul will be satisfied with you as with fat and rich food, and my mouth will praise you with joyful lips when I remember you upon my bed and meditate upon you in the watches of the night. For you have been my help, and in the shadow of your wings will I sing for joy. My soul clings to you. Your right hand upholds me. Truly, this is the understanding of what it means to follow after Christ with your whole life, is that you find all of the things that you're trying to crave and find for here, find here in the earth from people, you can find all of those things in God. And then as you're in relationship with those other people, with the people and the, the stuff of earth, you'll have a right perspective. Um, for sake of time, I'll give you some other scriptures to look up on your own time about living to please God. Ephesians 5.10 Colossians 1.10, uh, 1 Thessalonians 4, 1-12, and then all of Hebrews 13. So our first example was Galatians 1.10 about pleasing God and not man. But secondly, uh, an example from uh, the Gospels when, when Jesus was talking to the authorities in John chapter 12. In verse 42 to 43, it says this, Many, even of the authorities, believed in him, but for fear of the Pharisees, they did not confess it so that they would not be put out of the synagogue, for they loved the glory that comes from man more than the glory that comes from God. Let me, let me emphasize parts of that. But for fear of the Pharisees, and because they love the glory that comes from man more than the glory of God. We are sometimes crippled by the thought of losing favor or losing the life we're living, living or simply the approval that we desire. And that can be driven by a healthy desire to serve that goes too far, or it can be driven by an unhealthy desire for approval, acceptance, or acclaim. This is a dangerous place to live, beloved. 
2 Corinthians 10, 3-6 says, For though we walk in the flesh, we're not waging war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not of the flesh, but have divine power to destroy strongholds. We destroy arguments and every lofty opinion raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Take every thought captive to obey Christ. Yeah, we're not led astray because we're taking every thought captive. And yes, that means that when you're in a conversation or a situation and you're confronted with the choice to do or say what is Christ-like, you have a moment, a moment to ask the Lord, to pause and ask the Lord for help and bow to the Lord in that moment or give in to fear and other emotions and bow to yourself or the person that is in front of you. The authorities in chapter, John chapter 12 believed the information. They believed Christ, it says, but loved and wanted acceptance from the Pharisees more, wanted their station in life not to change more. And that is really the question that it comes down to. Who do you love more? Who do you follow? We are not merely Christian people. That, that word has lost its meaning in our day anyway. We are supposed to be apprentices and disciples of Jesus Christ, following him, doing as he did, striving to be with him and please him over and above all people. Only then will our lives prove that we belong to him. You see, there's a, there's a sobering scene in Matthew 7 that I refer to a lot in our church that shows this to be true and that only those who bow to God first above all are actually the ones who turn out to be his children. It says in Matthew 7, 21-23, Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but the one who does the will of my Father who is in heaven will enter. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name and cast out demons in your name and do many mighty works in your name? And then I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of lawlessness. Brothers and sisters, we must be known by Christ and know Christ and make that our life's pursuit because everything falls underneath it. We cannot waste our lives seeking to know and be known by humans. So first we've got the Galatians 1.10 example and then we've got uh, the John 12 example. And lastly, and look, there's so much more that can be said on this topic. I just wanted to give us three points to get the conversation going in your heart and maybe in your discipleship group. But lastly, in order to represent Christ, honorable is a huge word. 2 Corinthians 8.21 says, For what we aim at is what is honorable, not only in the Lord's sight, but also in the sight of man. You see, you notice there's a, a, um, a something specific going on there, because this, this seems like you're trying to do what is pleasing to man. But it does not say capitulating or pandering in the sight of man. It does not what makes us acceptable by the world's standards. Honorable to God's eyes first, meaning whatever God has written in His Word, then we're able to do what is honorable to humans. Not pleasurable to humans, not even likable. Honorable to humans. You see, when I need something from you, I am always going to view you in a certain light, one that affects everything I say and do around you. But when I don't need anything from you because I have everything that I need in Christ, then I can view you rightly. You are an image bearer of God, worthy of dignity and respect. 
then I can truly serve you selflessly and pray for you. And if you receive or reject me, it's not of first importance to me. I am free from the need in our relationship, and I'm going to want to honor God and do what is honorable to God and then do what is honorable to you because there's nothing you can give me that is going to be greater than what Christ has done for me. Now, that doesn't mean there's no value in our friendship and good times together and all that stuff, but it means I can love you purely because I'm not trying to take from you. So when it comes to being a representative of Christ, a child of the King, we live to please the Father and it frees us from having to put on or take from people what can only truly be found in the one who made us all, God alone. With this ammunition, maybe, maybe we can shift our mentality Instead of parading for people, we ought to pray for people, as Paul tells Timothy in 1 Timothy 2. It's a good and desirable thing. It's pleasing to the Lord when we pray for people. Pastor and author and all-around Yoda for pastors, Ray Ortland, uh, was quoting his own father on a podcast one time, Ray Ortland Sr., recently, when he said, There are two types of people that enter a room. One says, Here I am. Look at me. And the other says, there you are, look at you. May our lives truly promote the king, be toward other people, trusting that God will satisfy and sustain us. Now, one more thing, all of the things that I've said today do not just apply to in-person conversations. There are deep, deep implications of being a child of the king when we are online. So take everything I've said today and everything the scripture says about how we're to interact and act with people as we represent Christ, and you can put it right on top of everything we say and do online. And that will probably be a whole other episode of the podcast. Well, thanks for joining me for episode four. Uh, If you're enjoying this show or know of someone who needs to hear it, please like and share and give a good review and all that stuff. And let's help more Christians start aiming for more than just the status quo of Christian life. Thanks for joining us for this episode of Aiming for More. If you'd like to learn more about AIM Church in Southside Alabama, visit aimchurch1.com. That's aimchurch and the number one.com.